Before we start our show today, a word from our sponsors, Plesk. Plesk is more than just a control panel, granting you full flexibility to customize, manage, secure, host, automate, and control your web projects, as well as any underlying infrastructure. Plesk simplifies the lives of web professionals and gives you star features like one-click staging, cloning, syncing, plus automated mass management of multiple WordPress instances on your server and more. Have it your way. Find out more on plesk.com. Hi everyone, this is Jean Galea from Mastermind again. I'm here today in Toronto. I'm here with Adrian Toby from Groundhog and we're going to be talking about digital marketing and the WordPress space and what he's doing and his experience specifically in marketing in the WordPress space. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm actually super appreciative that I ran into you here. It's been a wealth of information so far and I'm super grateful that you've invited me on your podcast. It's a great opportunity and I'm just happy that I could be of help. So a few years ago, you spoke at the local WordCamp in Toronto, which I hear has been growing quite well in recent years. And you spoke about uh, the topic I would like to ask you about now, what you spoke about in the in the WordCamp, and then we'll take it from there. So just give us a brief intro about how you came into WordPress and what you spoke about as well in that uh, first speech at the WordCamp. So I spoke uh, in, um, I guess last year was 2018. So I spoke at 2018 WordCamp, just when 5.0 came out for WordPress. Gutenberg was kind of the the big deal. There was a lot of anxiety around it. A lot of people were untrustworthy. They didn't like how WordPress was going in this direction. You know, why would they change? A lot of us developers, I'm a developer. So a lot of the developers was like, we don't like change when when things drastically, you know, kind of get pulled out from underneath us. But I was at WordCamp to kind of show, you know, why this was necessary, a, a necessary move away from previous kind of like adoptions and a, a, almost a religion that we were in and why it was necessary to move forward towards the, the Gutenberg space. So that's what I had talked about, why this was necessary, why it was happening and how plugin developers can really kind of hop on rather than resist change, rather than embrace the change in order to not only make WordPress better, but all of their products better and benefit from that as well. Yeah, so as you are saying, there was a lot of resistance to Gutenberg. There still is a lot of resistance. So what made you think differently in that respect? Well, WordPress is still like what the, the major content creator of the web today. It's about a third. But there is increasing competition from our software as a service friends, Wix, Squarespace, Shopify, they are all exist right now in order to provide a superior user experience than that that WordPress can provide. For WordPress, we still have to source hosting and set up our website, make sure all the settings are correct. It's a like a 15-step process as opposed to setting up a Wix site, which is like a three-step process, right? So WordPress is continuously trying to adopt systems and practices that reduce the amount of time to creating good content. Right. So with these software as a service continuing to prove their user experience, we have to continuously adopt and adapt in order to make WordPress just as user friendly as those alternative solutions. And Gutenberg is WordPress's kind of first foray into almost modern content creation with our kind of like drag and drop builder. But also we have to maintain like the complexity of, you know, it has to be localized and it has to be usable among like tons of different languages, it has to be accessible to people who don't use keyboards or, you know, are blind and they need the, the screen readers and all of those things. So while there's a lot of resistance change, there's a necessary change simply because there's all these other tools that are providing different and in some cases one might consider even superior user experiences. 
And uh, not everybody has the resources to go and invest in things like Elementor or WP Bakery or Beaver Builder and invest those resources. We need one that's in WordPress in order to make it competitive. And so do you think that apart from the headaches and resistance, this could also be a space of opportunity for people who are developing for WordPress, like selling WordPress plugins or doing other things like that? There is no question. The sooner to adopt is the sooner the road to profit and the sooner the road to success. Adoption is everything. There, you know, WordPress isn't going to roll back to 4.9. You know, it's the, we are the way forward or 5.0 or I guess we're in 5.0 now. Gutenberg is the way forward and kind of resistance to that is like saying, I don't want the sun to come up. It's where we're going. And the sooner we can make that a more an easier change for not necessarily the developer community, but the people who actually are on the ground, the people in the storefronts, the mom and pop shots that just you press to run their blog, the sooner we can make it easier for them to produce content is the sooner that WordPress will continue to be the, the most successful CMS on the planet. Right, and we were uh, having a chat yesterday and you seem to have a pretty strong opinion on the importance of open source. So can you share what are your thoughts about that? I am all for open source. Uh, one of my core beliefs is that everybody should have equal access and opportunity to tools that will help them grow their business. WordPress provides the ultimate framework to promote that vision, to help businesses grow for almost no money and uh, so it makes it super easy for bootstrapped companies you know people who want to make a better life for themselves but don't necessarily have you know venture capital funding in order to be able to do it and build their own tools wordpress provides those tools for them in a, an open source way so that they can get started and i am a super super big believer in that you know wordpress is the dominant way in order to be able to help people one question what do you think is the way to solve the income disparity between Europe, the US and Asia, for example. And I, what I mean is that yes, WordPress is free, but then there's the plugins that people need to buy. And people in most people in Asia or Africa don't still don't have the budget for buying those plugins. So that's why we've seen the rise of GPL sharing websites where plugins are given for free, but then the users might have infected plugins and no support. So that's also ruining a bit the reputation of WordPress in those areas of the world. Do you have any thoughts on that? I actually hope that one day my plugins will be as popular as they need to be in order to be listed on a GPL website. That's kind of like our benchmark for success almost. But our plugins aren't cheap either. They're not inexpensive. You know, on average, we're looking at $40 a year, which again, in some countries is a lot more than it is for, you know, that's like a dinner here. So there's a huge disparity there. I think part of the conversation is for at least in people in those countries is maybe providing pared down tools or at least tools uh, which collect data in exchange for using the tools and instead of cash revenue. I think that's a model that might be work. So instead of, uh, instead of just exchanging cash for code, we exchange data for code or some other form of, of tool or asset that we could use in order to not necessarily fund the company, but use it in order to grow our plugins and our developer teams here where, where most of the plugins are made. I think that is something that is certainly possible in the future. Maybe not, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, but I think that's certainly a possibility. Rather than exchanging funds, just exchanging something else, whether it's data, whether it's hosting space, whether it's um, adware, for example, if you want to just host ads in your plugging rather than uh, just selling hard cash. Very interesting. I think it's the first time I hear about these ideas. So it's good to know 
that there's alternative thinking happening in the WordPress space as well. And I hope people can eventually take these ideas up and something will come out of it. Back to marketing. We've spoken also in our previous conversations about your experience in digital marketing. So let's start like from a case study. I own a blog. I own a plugin business. What have you seen that people who are doing content and also selling plugins, what are they missing in their marketing toolkit? My first foray into actually selling a, a WordPress plugin and, and running a blog was I had a, a, I started marketing a plugin while I was in a digital marketing agency, a plugin called Formlift. It was a form builder. And it, what it did is it just converted forms into a, a WordPress friendly format for people who used a CRM called Infusionsoft. It does moderately well, has about a thousand users. And uh, it wasn't always like that. I, I actually started the project maybe five or six years ago at this point. And it, it, it's only where it is today. But my first, that was my first foray in it. And what I had done is uh, I had written a blog post that had didn't exist on, on, a, on our digital marketing agency's blog, Training Business Pros. And essentially, the, I came up with a catchy how-to headline. Google at the time was uh, initially starting its uh, kind of... If you Google how to do X, Google will do your uh, will show a snippet at the top. It's in a gray box, and there's the title, and then it kind of it parses your article and it shows the steps in one, two, three format right at the top of the search results. So we found we we searched on all right. Well, how do we get Google to show that? So what I did is I went and Googled it, and I found it the format, and it's actually really simple. You just have your H1 tag, and you separate your steps into H2 tags, and that's all you got to do, and that's how you get one of those featured snippets, but only if you're at the top of the search results. So we did that. We made it super easy for search engines to read, which is, again, it's just H1 at the top, and then your H2 for your, uh, your steps, and you do one, two, three, you're good to go. Uh, we called it how to style Infusionsoft web forms, which is an actual search term that people were typing into Google. There are many tools that you can use to actually find out how what people are searching. Uh, the first one that comes up to mind is SEMrush. Uh, so feel free to look that tool up and that will show you what people are searching, how often they're searching it. It ties into Google Analytics and the Google AdWords tool. If you are looking for a free tool, just going into Google AdWords and using their keyword planner is definitely a tool that you can use to find out what people are searching for, especially how-tos. So we created this article and we just essentially gave them a step-by-step -step way to do it manually. All right, so you know, you, you take your style, you take your HTML, and this is the code you need to write. You need to put it in a code block in this widget and in the footer. And we did the whole manual process and we made it seem complicated. It was complicated if you're like new to marketing and you don't know anything about HTML and CSS. So it's relatively complicated. All through though, we have like our little ad, you know, hey, listen, if you're looking for something that you can just avoid all of these steps and it's like one click and it's just a plugin, you can go to this link, link to the website. And at that time, it was just an opt-in form on a page. Didn't even have an order form or anything. We were just giving it away for free to see if there was like a market for it. Start, people started using it. We started to monetize it and it turned out really well. So using how-to articles and featured snippets would definitely be probably the best way in order to promote your product. Frame it in a way, if you're selling plugins and you're using blogs to do that, frame it in a way where you're just trying to achieve some sort of goal the focus is not necessarily your plugin, but you're just using your plugin to achieve the goal, right? So our goal was to style Infusionsoft web forms, and you could either do that manually or you could do it using this process as well. 
And how about the fact that when you use featured snippets, people won't click through to the website itself? Generally, if your thing is longer than three steps, the feature snippet only shows up to the first four. So if it's longer than four or three steps, then they'll generally have to click through to see the entire article. It also doesn't show you the in-between like content. So if you have stuff in between your H2 tags, it doesn't show that in the feature snippet. So generally, in most cases, people will click through in order to read the whole article. Right, okay. And what other things that people might be missing? I know we spoke about the PPC and other paid advertising, which, for example, I don't really do. I've always relied on organic uh, search. What might I be missing in that case? Organic is definitely the most cost-effective way to go. So if you're operating on a small budget, then I wouldn't necessarily recommend PPC unless uh, you're, you've had previous experience or you're going to go and hire a digital marketing agency. But when you do have a budget and you know that's definitely something that you want to like go into, then it's definitely worth its weight in gold in terms of results. By far the most effective PPC that I've ever, uh, the most effective PPC campaign that I've ever run was a remarketing campaign. So remarketing happens when someone ends up on your website and they don't initially engage or they might have given you an email address, they might not have. But essentially, as soon as they visit your website, either through Google Ads display or Facebook remarketing, which is just a pixel that you install on your website, either through a plugin or your header or your footer manually, then whenever they revisit, Facebook or their favorite social media platform of choice, or if they're connected to the Google Display Ad Network, then they get shown your ads to say, hey, listen, come back, we miss you, you should absolutely check out, or do you want 10% to come back? And that has by far been the most effective strategy, is always if they see you but don't take an initial action, prompting them to retake action has been at least a way to gain 10% more interaction with your audience than you would have otherwise missed. And so how are these ads shown? Is it like the Google ad normal thing? Or? So it works in a couple ways. The display ad network, so the banner ads you see on YouTube or on some websites, uh, those are all display ad networks. So at one point in time, you may or may not have visited the website that is showing you the ad at the moment. More often than not, they're not very tailored ads. So if you're running a remarketing campaign through the Google Display Ad Network, the ad you want to show has to identify the people where they are. So they've been to your website, and you know they've been to your website because that's the only advertising you're doing through this platform. So you want to tell them, hey, listen, we want to see you back in the ad somehow. It's like come back and get 10% is like shown in the ad so you acknowledge where they've been and like, oh, yeah, I was there, wasn't I? I remember that experience. I remember what I was looking at. Amazon is the perfect culprit of this. I go on Amazon all the time. I add things to cart. I don't buy them. And I see the ad for the thing that I had added to my cart in my Facebook ad roll for the next 30 days until I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So things like that. And there's plenty of, if you use WooCommerce, there's plenty of, of Facebook specific remarketing plugins for WooCommerce that will show ads based on the things that people add to cart in their Facebook feed. So I'd highly recommend uh, going and looking at those because those are way more effective than kind of just throwing a whole bunch of money at the wall and hoping something sticks. I recently did that with my own products and I found at least you know, selling WordPress plugins, that was a no-go. The ad got a ton of interaction, but could not tie it to any form of revenue. So remarketing is a little bit more expensive than throwing a ton of money at the wall, but definitely yields the best results. And so is there, have you seen any difference between Facebook and Google in terms of where should people start doing these campaigns, Facebook or Google? 
I would say Facebook has a lot more engagement for remarketing, but as far as kind of just like blast marketing or, or trying to create initial interaction, not as much. Google has by far always been the, the best source for initial interaction, making sure that your listing is the top of the top of the search feed. Generally, if you search for something and you see that exact phrase that you typed in at the top of the search results, like it might be an ad, but you're like, you know, that's what I'm looking for. So they click it anyway, even knowing it's an ad. Because generally the first top or the, the first three results are generally blog posts, but they're looking for a service, then they're just going to click directly on the service. So go going back to your plugin, we were discussing the fact that you wanted to recreate the experience of the plugin. I mean, to create the whole experience within the WordPress dashboard, while many other plugins are moving away from the dashboard. What was your rationale there? And uh, yeah, and how does it work? Yeah, a lot of new software creators, the, the new business model is software as a service, collecting your monthly recurring revenue because it's extremely profitable and uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort for distribution. We... While that is a very profitable model, we didn't want to go on that way because it's not necessarily the best user experience or the best experience for, for your typical small business owner. Some businesses have IT teams and people that their responsibility is to connect these platforms, but you know, mom and pop shop down the road who run a solo operation, they're the CEO, the CTO, and the CMO, don't necessarily have the time nor the will to go ahead and connect all of these different platforms in order to make a simple sales funnel. We thought that a business's entire marketing and sales experience should be in one place where their content is, their blog is, their users are, their e-commerce store is. Uh, so it should also be where their emails are, their sales funnels are, their sales pipelines are, their CRM is. We thought it should just be in one place to make it easier for small business to grow. And did you find any challenges in terms of keeping the same UI of WordPress and while still hand handling all the requirements that fairly a, a complex plugin like yours requires? We invested a massive amount of effort in making it look like WordPress. For example, our email editor is not Gutenberg, but feels like Gutenberg. It looks like it, it handles like it, so that knowledge of how Gutenberg works is transferable to using our email editor. All of our funnels look kind of like the WordPress page editor. So we made it, we went the extra effort to, to make it look the same so that when you start using Groundhog or any of our plugins for the first time, it doesn't feel different. Part of the problem with a lot of the software as a service solutions is that as soon as you log out of your website and you log into their platforms, Everything looks different. You know, the UI is different. There's the, the, the left admin bar that you're used to is missing. It's not there. Where do I go for settings, right? It, the format is not structured in a way that you already understand. We made a massive effort to make sure that the format was the same so that people would be able to use it without complication. So you're not afraid of the GPL websites that we mentioned earlier in terms of going into your profits uh compared to SS where you don't have that problem. Well, I actually look, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that as kind of a, a benchmark for success. When we, when we see that, we know we've kind of made it and that someone wants to pirate our products. I'm not too concerned about that. There's been, I'll, I'll be honest, there's been a couple times where just for development purposes, I just went there because I don't want to have to pay the premium price just to develop an extension. I don't use the product, but I use it to see the code and create the integrations. So they serve their purpose, at least for developers like me, but I'm not particularly concerned about it. The people who want to pay for it and feel like, you know, they want to support the project will pay for it. 
there are always people who won't, but those people won't be our customer. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, as we were speaking earlier about, I think this is a good on-ramp for people in countries where the incomes are lower. They get their plugin for free or for $5 a month. And then when they actually grow their e-commerce store or business, then they they can actually afford to pay you. But if you didn't give them access in the first place, they could never have started the website. So in a way, it works in a beneficial way for plugin developers. A word from our sponsors, Freemius. If you create and sell WordPress plugins or themes, you know that only coding features is not enough. You're going to have to securely accept payments, manage subscriptions, handle software licensing, collect European VAT, software updates, and the list goes on. Freemius handles all of those aspects in your business for you. When you sign up to sell through Freemius, they treat you like a true partner because they will only earn money when you earn money, which naturally serves as an incentive for them to help increase your sales. I highly recommend you head over to freemius.com mastermind and get a full month of fees waived when you start selling your WordPress plugins and themes through Freemius. So one of the things I noticed in, in you when I met you is like you're really good at public speaking or at least very presentable. And I feel that in the WordPress space, we tend to rely more on our product and less on the startup kind of hustling and self-promotion and public speaking, pitching and all this stuff. So how has that benefited you? And is it something natural or have you tried to own this skill over time? I wish it was natural. It'd make it a lot easier. No, my public speaking experience has certainly come from years of training and practicing at word camps and practicing. I, you know, I pitched for the first time ever. We only opened doors in February. We were here maybe seeking opportunities and I pitched for the first time and it was a great experience, but I'll be honest, you know, I practiced the pitch over and over and over and over again. We have a, we are fortunate to have a stage in our office. Uh, where we do live streaming. So I practiced on that stage and had like mock pitches. So no, it's not natural. I also took several train the trainer courses in order to be able so I could communicate well and, and try and get my point across as clearly as possible because clarity is power. <laughs> but yeah, no, here while I was here and pitching, it was a great experience and I'm certainly fortunate to be able to have the opportunity. So what about like WordPress is not known to be active in the startup? space right. with like there's a lot of bootstrapping versus the startup culture and people tend to shun away the startup and conferences like this in fact like it's a conference of 20 25,000 people and i met a handful of people max who are in the wordpress space why do you think there's this shunning of such opportunities something i've noticed about the wordpress community and something that i admire myself is that we're all really do-it-yourselfers, DIY, right? We, yeah. we love the fact that WordPress against all laws has proliferated to the way it was on merely like sweat and blood, right? And we kind of, a lot of us hold that near and dear to heart and I am no exception. Like my first plugin is totally just, you know, weeknights, making sure that bugs get fixed, support questions get answered, uh, zero outside funding whatsoever, just on my free time. And it's, you know, now a passive, passive income generator. And I think a lot of WordPress community contributors feel exactly the same way. It's like, you know, we don't need outside funding. We've done it ourselves. We got to where we are on blood, sweat and tears. And I think that's a great thing. And I, I don't certainly don't want anybody to lose that. On the same token, there are certainly a lot of WordPress products that simply would just benefit from having some outside capital to, to help them grow, to reach more WordPress users, because the more WordPress users that they reach are the more WordPress users that are helped and there's more the community can grow in whole. So I don't think that we should be shunning away outside capital from supporting the products that we think should be supported. 
There are a lot of companies and products that are in the WordPress community that would not be around if it were not for outside capital. You know, some of Easy Digital Downloads extensions are come to the and I use Easy Digital Downloads for everything. My own company would not be around if it weren't for you know some friends and family funding. I wish I could say it was all bootstrapped, but no, we we do have employees that we need to be paid and developers and extensions that need to be paid. So I don't think it needs to be shown because I think when there's the dichotomy of, yes, we are doing it ourselves, but we, we are accepting help. We are willing to have help. And I think a lot of people would also benefit from, from opening their minds to accepting that outside help. That's very interesting. Um, just a personal question. I recently became a father and I'd like my son to eventually follow in my footsteps. You are talking and telling me that you started off with your father as well in the marketing agency. So the question is, how do you think dads should uh, speak to their kids in a way that they don't put them off, you know, because you, you tend to, as a kid, see your dad as like successful. And then there's kind of like, will I ever reach that level? Can I do something better? And they tend to do something completely different, you know. So how do we get that legacy continuing and have our kids do something better than us? How do we help them? I'll start off by saying I truly admire my father. He's a great role model and I love him to bits. And we have a working relationship at the moment. I worked with him in a digital marketing agency for like seven years. And I worked with him when he was a speaker and, and I followed him around and I set up and tore down his booth when we were just performing in hotels. And we've been doing a lot of things together for a very long time. And he always treated me, at least while we were on the job and in a, in, in a working space, I was just treated as an employee. Obviously, I wish I could say I was treated like a full employee, but I'm his son. I got perks. But I was treated professionally, and I think that's a big thing. You know, when you're in a working relationship with people in your family, putting the line in between family and what's work and what's family is important. I got treated like an employee. You know, I was expected to produce results like an employee. And when I didn't produce results, it's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? You know, it's like, get it done. And I've been told that a few times, and it's like, okay, we'll get it done. You know, that's, that's our job here. But... Constant reassurance and constant affirmation is certainly also important. I was always told, you know, whenever I did a good job, you did a great job. And when you do that, you're like, hey, listen, you know, I'm getting really good at this. You want them following in your footsteps, it's like constant affirmation that what they're working towards is the right thing and, and that it's an achievable goal, I think is super important. That's certainly at least been my experience so far. I am no longer following my father's footsteps. I totally branched off, though. He's happy doing his digital marketing agency. And I, in all honesty, he loves it and he loves helping people and he loves kind of spending the, trading the hours for time. I absolutely hated it. I was always about productization, productization, productization. How can we help even more people with sacrificing less time? You know, how can we bring this to hundreds, if not thousands of people instead of like maybe 10 or 25? So while I did follow in his footsteps for a very long time, it was an inevitable break from that path though. But he still uses our products, and I still work with him on some projects, and uh, that's the kind of relationship that we, have, that we have now. Yeah, I'm sure he's proud of the fact that he's inspired you, and you eventually found your own calling into products, and you branched off and did your own thing. I think that as a father, that's a, a great thing to see in your son as well. Uh, he always said, the most that I can hope is that you'll be bigger, faster, richer, stronger, right? <laughs> That's what he always told me. And the expectation will always there. It's like, you're going to do great things. And, and hopefully I'm going to be able to fill, live up to that expectation. I suppose we'll see after, after the conference is over. Awesome. And so to close off, uh, what has your experience been at CollisionConf? And specifically as, a, as someone coming from the WordPress space, how has that benefited you apart from the pitching, obviously? It was 
awesome to say the least. This last day here, so we got to exhibit our booth. We only get the booth for one out of three days and we got to exhibit our last day here. We were very fortunate. Our booth is right near the entrance. So all of the foot traffic had to walk past me and I, I brought the whole team out. Only one of them is on payroll and that's actually here. But, you know, I brought all my friends and we all put on our Groundhog t-shirts and we're like, all right, let's make our one day worth it. And we freaking killed it. It was awesome. If not, you know, actually getting some outside help and some outside influence in order to, to help us grow and provide more valuable products for the community, we at least got a few clients out of it. So it was awesome. Being part of the WordPress community here also is very interesting. Everybody who came by our booth is either has a WordPress side hustle, they work in a digital marketing agency and their clients use WordPress, they used to use WordPress and they love it, or they absolutely hate WordPress with a passion. Uh, got a few of those, but it's amazing how not necessarily people here are focused within WordPress, but they use it in some way in their lives. And I feel like we were able to help a lot of people today, simply because whether their corporate website is WordPress-based, they're looking for an inexpensive alternative, or they have their they run a freelancer side hustle where their clients use WordPress. You know, it's just amazing how actually prolific it is, even surrounded by companies that are, you know, 15 million in monthly recurring revenue and they have, you know, crazy AI technology. They still use WordPress to run their website and they still use plugins and they still need, you know, sales pages and all of those things. So even for these massive companies, it's crazy still how prolific it is. Sounds good. So more WordPress companies should attend these conferences and be able to present and have their own booth. If anything, just to get their feedback, no? Absolutely. You know, I, I feel like maybe because of the fact that we're all do-it-yourselfers and we don't need venture capital, and, you know, bootstraps and blood, sweat and tears. It's the reason that we don't come out to these things. But so many people here, you know, know what WordPress is. And I feel like maybe if we had more of an active role in these massive tech conferences that are happening around the world and not kind of just like focusing in on WordCamp would totally, maybe not 30%, maybe like 50% would be a more achievable goal for total like internet domination. It's because we don't show up here in force. I feel like people like, ah, WordPress, you know, it's just a blogger CMS. It's just a blogger tool. It's really, it's grown up so much in the last half decade. You know, the, the jump from 4.0 to, to 5.0 in such a short period of time it's just, you know, so massive, right? The technology has come so far. It's allowed us to do what we do, right? And I feel like people just don't know that yet. Even though all of them here use it, we don't treat it as the, the serious product that it is because we don't show up here. And I feel like that's missing. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's part of the evangelization that we should all be doing as part of the WordPress community. Are there any other conferences that you've attended and would recommend? Um, this is, as part of the company that, are, that I'm representing now, Groundhog, this is our first conference. We certainly plan on attending more. Collision Conf is going to be here for the next two years. We are definitely going to reattend and continue to wave the banner of WordPress and open source and, and democratize digital marketing tools. We plan on going to TechCrunch uh, in the coming months, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to continue to spread kind of the evangelical message that WordPress is here to serve your needs if you're looking for an extendable, a scalable alternative solution. Awesome. So we'll close off with your two-minute elevator pitch, and then where can people reach you on the interwebs? Great. I've had a lot of practice <laughs> of the elevator pitch, so here we go. We believe that all businesses deserve equal access and opportunity to tools that will help them grow their business. That's why we've created Groundhog. Groundhog allows you to simplify, consolidate, and automate all of your sales and marketing 
within WordPress. That includes your email, your SMS, your sales funnels, your sales pipeline, and your CRM, all for absolutely free. It's a simple plugin that you just install on your website. It's about a six-step uh, six setup, and immediately you can start marketing your business, following up with clients, and consolidating all of your data within WordPress. There's no need to go to third parties like MailChimp or Constant Contact or Salesforce, and no need to pay those third parties in order to uh, host your data. You get to own all of your data. We don't host any of it for you. So you get to control all of that absolutely by yourself. Again, that tool is absolutely free. And the way that we make money is we simply provide a freemium model. We have a bunch of premium add-ons. If you want to connect it to your WooCommerce store, you want to connect it to Ninja Forms, or you want to connect it to Zapier to integrate with outside platforms, all of that is totally available. We believe in open source and that everybody has that equal access and right to opportunity. So if you want to extend your plug or extend our plugins and create your own, uh, then you can actually host them on our open uh, marketplace and uh, create revenue that way and help us uh, make the product better. Awesome, Adrian. So where can people get in touch apart from your, obviously, your groundhog.com, is it? Groundhog, uh, the, the dot com's taken. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who decided to take groundhog with two Gs, but it's groundhog uh, with two Gs dot IO. Again, that's uh, groundhog, H-O-G-G. Uh, Io. We also have a Facebook presence and an online user group where people go to post their support questions. Uh, we are listed on the WordPress repository, uh, forward slash Groundhog, again with two Gs, and they can reach us to us that way. We have a live chat on our website, and you can reach out to me personally. So I just use the email address info at Groundhog.io, and you can ask any questions directly to me that you want. Okay, thanks, Adrian. It was great having you with us today. I super appreciate the opportunity, and I hope you have a safe life. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at Mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at Mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.